and welcome to Provoke, a podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we're recording in the Evoke Advertising Studios in sunny, well, actually rainy and stormy today, Orlando, Florida. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about conscious advertising. Can good advertising also be good for you? We brought Kelsey, our resident intern extraordinaire, back into the studio to chat about social cause-based advertising and how agencies can make more of an effort to put their best foot forward to make a positive difference in the world. Uh, admittedly, this was inspired a lot by Adweek's um, weekly Adweek, hashtag Adweek chat that they hold on, on Twitter uh, every Wednesday, um, but it's also a continuation of an ongoing conversation that many of us here at Evoke have been having over the past few months now. Um, so it now was the perfect time to kind of really take a lot of that, boil it down, and, and uh, put it on record. Um, so with that said, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we have Kelsey back in the studio after her triumphant uh, game show that she pulled off last week. So congratulations to you again for that. Thank you very much. Um, so the name of this episode is uh, The Case for Conscience, Conscious Advertising. And we really kind of want to just have a conversation about, you know, the ramifications of being an advertiser, knowing the kind of stigmas that advertising has had. Thanks, Mad Men. Um and, and really trying to find a way to reconcile what we do with how we live, especially if there's not, if it doesn't match up completely with completely against each other. So kind of just diving in. First question, uh, we can kind of just riff off of it. Uh, can advertising truly make a positive difference in the world? And like if it can or not, what are some examples that you think have helped advance a worthy cause that you've seen in modern advertising? Yeah. So um, the first thing that came to my mind when we saw this, there was um, right around that time when Pepsi had that really bad recalled ad with Caitlyn Jenner or not Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, oh, Kendall. Kendall. Jenner. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say within like two days or so after that, Heineken came out with um, an ad that was probably like two or three minutes long, Mm -hmm. um, and it's called Open Your World, and the premise of it was they would get these random strangers, people that have never met before, get them into, um, it was like a warehouse, warehouse. and there Mm -hmm. was two stools, and they would, um, I don't know, there was a set of set questions, how do you Mm -hmm. feel about... Uh, like different different rights, different kind of social Mm -hmm. uh, topics, and they both had completely different views, completely mm-hmm. different things. And then a buzzer or something went off in the commercial in the warehouse that said, you guys can walk away and not face your differences and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, whatever, do your thing. Or you can go over, open the cooler, grab a beer, sit down at the bar and talk, and about, talk your about your differences. Yeah. And all of them did that. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first thing that I thought of when you can take a product, mm-hmm. beer, Heineken, but sell it to an audience where you're talking about opening up your world, opening up your worldviews and selling more of a lifestyle or habits of mind. Um, so I, did, I was looking kind of into that story and people on Twitter were, some people were, of course, everyone's going to love it or people are going to hate it. There's yeah. going to be haters. Um, yeah, what were some of the negative comments about yeah, it? Yeah, so some people were saying, the new Heineken ad tells us that beer is the only way to solve world peace. Well, it's like, I mean, no. Are, are, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe, but like, that's not the idea here. The <laughs> idea here is that 
um, we're going to take this huge brand and this really simple product um, and open up a larger conversation where, you know, and the other people that are praising it, this new ad is sublime, absolutely amazing, and the world of, adverti the world of advertising needs more just like this. Um, so I think to see ad going from selling a product mm -hmm. um, point blank, like, you know, this is why it's good, it's cold, you know, kind of these things, but taking yeah. it, you know, sit down, talk, enjoy, share your mind. Um, that was the first thing that I thought of. And So I guess going back to that, uh, what, what was the worldly cause in your mind that it, it kind of championed? Just the idea of tolerance? I guess the idea of being able to you had the opportunity to just like take your own opinion and what like you you know personally felt and like mm. walk out of the room yeah. or you could have gone cracked open a beer and sat down and talked to this different person about things that they had such a strong viewpoint on and they sat there and they listened to each other so mm -hmm. it was even just kind of like daring to listen to mm -hmm. this other person even though um you are so rooted into your own uh, ideals or worldview or mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I could totally see that. Like the idea of just like facing your, your your preconceived notions about because it was cool because they would take. I think they took like a like a pacifist, like a staunch pacifist, mm -hmm. and like a, like a war veteran, mm -hmm. and put them in the same room. And I think there was like a. I think there was transgender, mm -hmm. or LGBT mm -hmm. um, stuff, and. I'm trying to think of what the other, there was a couple, I think probably like religion stuff too, and just being able to go and sit. Um, yeah, and then of course the timely matter of it coming right after a really bad ad that came from another like drinking company yeah. was pretty good positioning. But but I mean, I don't want people to, I don't want to pe people to lose focus because that, that was a great, it's a great ad, it's a great example. Um, before they even got to the, the sitting down and having a beer part, mm -hmm. they had a couple of like, um, I guess kind of, tasks that mm -hmm. they had to do a lot of building there was one that was like a building task. oh yeah they, I, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so they had to first like build the chair mm -hmm. build the bar mm -hmm. oh yeah now it's okay now yeah, yeah you're right they had to go and they had to build the chair they had to build the bar and kind of go through these things as a team building Absolutely. and then in the last phase there were questions mm -hmm. what do you feel about a b or c yeah and their options and their you know their opinions were oh. yeah so they, they basically had to build the bar that they were going to then sit at and so that i think that was the that was the the unifying thing like being able to come together to mm. get this task done regardless of what Any your kind of you know what you're what? exactly um and it kind of it kind of brings up the idea of like um the controversial trans ban mm. that 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 they're proposing in the, for the military, and just the idea of a lot of people spoke out against is like when I'm on the front lines, mm -hmm. the last thing I'm thinking about is what the sexual orientation of my you know my mm -hmm. comrade is, you know, and so that same thought process was kind of put into place with that particular ad as well. It's like we we're gonna come together, we're gonna get this job done because that's what we've been tasked to do, mm -hmm. and then afterwards, once the dust settles, we can then mm -hmm. you know, regardless of knowing anything about each exactly. other, exactly. Yeah. So I think that I think that was more so the point. And of course, you know, Heineken's going to sell Heineken. Yeah. So, of course, the beer of choice is Heineken. Yeah. Um, but um, but that goes way beyond. Beer. Absolutely. When yeah, I saw that, when I saw that, I was like, this is this is this is the advertising mm -hmm. that kind of propels um, more than just going out and wanting to buy a Heineken. It, kind of, it provokes this um, ongoing conversation. So the name of this ad was Worlds Apart, an experiment. And For that's sure. exactly what they were trying to do, just For experiment. Sure. Um, yeah. So that was the first thing that I thought about when we think about um, what are people doing to make 
in the advertising realm, mm-hmm. um, a difference in the world. And then, of course, the other thing that I saw uh, thought about was the REI yeah, side <laughs> classic, um, the, the ubiquitous ad that everybody goes to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that story goes. Um, yeah, back in 2015, REI. Uh, a couple weeks or months or so before uh, Black Friday, like the mm-hmm. biggest shopping day of the year, mm-hmm. told everyone they're going to shut down their store, they're going to shut down their online site, and they're choosing to opt outside. They paid all their employees for the day mm-hmm. to go hike in, and uh, if you tried to log on to their website to buy something on Black Friday, it would automatically redirect you to um, something that they partnered up with Google with on Google Maps, and it would give you a list of hikes like, or like yeah. trails you can get on or like meetup groups and mm-hmm. stuff all around there. Um, and yeah, so see, that was one aspect of the campaign that I didn't realize is that they blocked mm-hmm. all sales with all the, of all it. The, in, even you know, online. online. Yeah, yeah, that's. Because they said still insane to me. Yeah, and and <laughs> sure they like didn't make any sales that day, but mm-hmm. in the long run they got. And I think like something interesting as far as that goes. So if REI is um, making a move like this uh, to tell their people and their audience who are outdoor um, enthusiasts, mm-hmm. yo, we're not going to be here. We want you to be outside. Someone who might be really um, devoted to another very similar outdoor adventure kind of brand Absolutely. can align themselves better with that um, kind of push to making positive differences mm-hmm. in the world and um, reassess who they want to shop with. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so that was definitely like the 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 anti advertisement. The anti advertisement you know, like, of the don't, year. <laughs> don't buy stuff on this day, which I'm pretty sure didn't make a lot of other business owners very happy. Probably not. They're like, damn, that's genius. <laughs> So yeah, it was a great like it was a great social cause driven approach while still being able to bolster mm. the lifestyle brand of REI. So yeah, that's yeah, great um, examples, great examples. Another great one is, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Dove does a lot of, especially being yeah. in the beauty world and where that kind of is like a lot of I think what we're probably going to get into today could almost directly be related just back to the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as advertising and how can it be good advertising, but also good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dove, as a beauty um, brand, does a really good job at making their messages, making their campaigns and advertisements reflect that. And so they had this um, great one. It was Dove Real Beauty Sketches, and they would have these people come in. I'm pretty sure it was male and female, mm. and they would have a art, like a, a an artist, set up. Um, behind a screen so mm-hmm. they could never see each other and they never met face to face. And the question was asked, describe yourself to this person so he can render you. Yeah. Um, and each individual person, of course, would describe them in ways that were more negative rather than focusing on pieces <laughs> of themselves that could be, you know, drawn. Uh, yeah, in certain ways. And then the second step of it was having uh, a stranger come in who didn't know that person, but who could see that person sitting down as if I was, you know, looking across the table mm-hmm. at, at them or at you and then would describe them. Yeah. Um, and then they would take the two photos of, you know, the person describing themselves description versus the person, uh, the stranger describing that other person yeah. side by side and the completely different photos and just how um, people render themselves versus what another person can see. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just kind of showing you like you are beyond this like idea and image that what you are is I guess really what you are mm-hmm. um so I think Dove does a lot of stuff like that and even um a lot of their 
campaigns and their advertisements show women of all different colors, shapes, sizes, whereas in the beauty industry going back, mm -hmm. it is really easy to kind of like on this one very particular ideal image. Yeah, and, and Dove has been doing a lot of very like body, self-image, self-confidence kind of driven ads campaigns for a couple of years now. Um, but there was one that, that, that jumped out I want to say it was either this past year or the year before, where they created a line of um, bottles, different shaped bottles. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it was for the for their for one of their soaps that kind of like say, oh, you know, you know, people come in all different shapes mm -hmm. and sizes mm -hmm. and heights and 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 weights and what have you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think out of all of the all of the things that they've they've put out, I think that was the one that got the most flack. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't understand why. Um. I think it was. I think it had gotten to a point because they'd already done, they'd already done the sketches. They'd already done that. The the first one that I remember seeing and that was kind of in this vein of you know being able to to bolster your self image mm -hmm. was the, the one that they did where they kind of backtracked the Photoshop job. Oh yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, the, yeah to show you kind of how the sausage was made when it comes to giving these very like grandiose ideas of what models look like mm -hmm. versus how they're the shot. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, stemming from that and then I, I think people kind of got I think Dove got to a point where they were they had already driven the point home. Mm. And I think people were kind of teetering on the edge of like, OK, we, we get it. We get it. Everybody comes up. Maybe I'm a size 12 and I'm I'm envying this girl who looks like she's a size four on paper, but is actually is a size eight, real? you know, because she's been photoshopped for two and a half hours, you know, Um but I mean, not to not to overshadow all the amazing stuff that that Dove has done to kind of to help that help kind of get rid of that that stigma. But that was one that that I remember sticking out with that kind of got a little more negative response than it probably comes from like having to like sit there mm -hmm. in the aisle and be like, okay, I understand what they're doing, but like, do I want to like pick up the like? This one bottle, if that's if I like feel right, a little do awkward I, do about I, it, do I pick up the bottle that closely represents, yeah. like resembles my body? Yeah, type? yeah, or like the person down a couple aisles. I yeah. think that's probably it's not some. If you have like an advertisement or like a campaign or like the video, the body sketches, it's just like this one thing put into in front of you. Mm -hmm. You don't really have like an option of choosing. I think maybe the the reason why this one didn't get picked up mm -hmm. um, or kind of carry that same uh, like momentum is because now the consumer has to like pick out of different shapes and sizes when mm -hmm. that's kind of already um as we've mentioned like one of the problems that we see um in the beauty industry even though the intention was yo beauty comes in all shapes and sizes we get it mm -hmm. um i think it has to do with the consumer having to like <laughs> sit like, there and yeah, sort and out choose exactly what <laughs> yeah. What body type do I think I fall in line with, and, and you know do and I do I, I have to pick one? my soap exactly. accordingly like do I have to yeah so. Okay, so we, we we've we've spoken a little bit about what advertisers have done right in order to kind of champion positive social cause worthy campaigns out there. So let's kind of switch gears real quick and talk about some examples of either where brands or companies kind of missed the mark or to kind of make it more broad strokes. Um, what what do marketers often get wrong when when trying to connect to a specific cause or an issue? So you, you mentioned the you mentioned the Pepsi ad, and we've we've spoken at length about that ad. <laughs> so um so so maybe not so much an ad per se, but like what 
what have you seen in in, in recent history where an, a brand has tried to say, oh, we're totally with you with this thing, but it didn't really it didn't really hit home. You know, I had a hard time with this question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you need to watch more ads. Because <laughs> they're mean, out there. I really had a hard, yeah, I had a hard time with this one. Like, with something blatantly just, like, slapping myself. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, th- like, all the other kind of things that um, I was looking over, like, boom, boom, boom. I mm-hmm. had it already. But this one I, like, had to come back to and really think, like, what do marketers often get wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first, like... One of the things that I could think of was this idealization of everything in the ad realm. Like, okay, even for like skateboarding. Okay. Okay, something random and uh, not in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if someone's going to advertise for new skateboard or whatever, sure. you're probably going to see like top professional or someone who like really knows what they're doing flipping flying doing all these things where the idea of someone sitting on the couch is like damn I wish I could do that I gotta go out there buy that skateboard and but everything is this like over idealization so maybe connecting with like the real person that is Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch that just like wants to go out and like learn to skateboard and isn't the best skateboarder Mm -hmm. in the world and that I feel like could fall under any single category if it was like um, for a gym like show a real person who wants to get in shape not Mm -hmm. someone who like yo should you really still be here at the gym I think it's time for you to go home kind of thing so that was kind of the first thing that popped into my mind but when thinking about connecting it to a cause or issue Mm -hmm. I kind of um I kind of struggled on that one. What are you, what did the what went like what comes to your mind? What's the first things that kind of or when you were even like thinking about this conscious advertising? Well, I mean, I think the one thing that many marketers tend to miss when it comes to creating socially social cause driven ads that that, that, that they want to resonate with a certain audience is that I think it it, it starts with the creative. It starts mm-hmm. with the creative and the research. And I think you kind of lose a facet of of real in-depth research when you don't have someone who can actually mm-hmm. relate or have real or has had real life experiences mm. with the cause that you're trying to mm. champion. You mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So it, it's hard for you, and I think that's where the why the Pepsi that Pepsi commercial fell so flat is because you had this celebrity who was mm. trying to appeal to the everyman appeal mm. to the the marginalized groups the downtrodden the the the, the poor and hungry yearning to breathe free that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. when that's not necessarily the lifestyle that they they lived or, or grew up knowing mm. um, and so there's that dis, there's that immediate disconnect when you have celebrity endorsements or you have a creative team or a research team that can give you all the numbers but those numbers don't really connect when it comes to having real life anecdotal experience. So how do you fix that? Because not every single cause is going to be have an advertiser behind where it's like, oh yeah, I've done that. I can, you know, research and create this A, B, and C to fit every single. Niche. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 can, <laughs> I can give you a million and one reasons of how you can fix it, but that'll probably be a different episode for a different time. Um, but I mean, first and foremost, like being able to. 
diversify diversify the creative teams that you build mm. that that roll out these campaigns mm. being able to take have the analytical side of the the data and the personas and all the the market research that you do that's standard but still being able to cre- being able to combine that that creative mm. like i said anecdotal side with people who have actually lived those lives and people who have actually had those experiences that you can draw from because even though it might be an anecdotal experience to one person, I guarantee you there's a shared experience with a lot of other consumers as well. Mm. And that's why the Pepsi ad got so much backlash because it just, it was tone deaf. Yeah, can you think of a, like one that was driven in the opposite way mm. and maybe was crafted or has a team of creators that are really aligned with like the brand or oh, man. the real life? I mean, it's hard because you don't really know the back the back team or the yeah yeah. I don't want to I don't want to make the assumptions like oh you don't know what it's, <laughs> yeah. you you're not real. What do you know? You don't know what it's like to grow up you know here or there because I I don't know that sure. Um, so I can only base it off of the product that they have you know eventually roll out to the public. Um, man, I, I I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair though because you really, you don't. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, advertisements don't come with movie credits yeah. and little biographies on. Um, who the creators are, mm-hmm. where they're coming from, but well, we did do an intern analysis. Uh, for those who don't know out there, um, we every every I guess twice a semester we get our interns that come in for the for the semester for the summer course uh, courses to to do a analysis of an ad, either recent or, or in the past, and kind of just give a breakdown of how they felt the ad was strong in certain points and weak in others. And there was a, a recent intern analysis that one of our one of our guys did on the LGBTQIA alphabet oh. that um uh, it was kind of a brand placement partnership with the um with the lgbt community and their their headquarters in i can't even remember the name of the actual um organization so excuse me but it was them and partnered with equinox um and they did this four and a half minute five minute just beautifully shot beautifully produced video that kind of went through the alphabet but in terms of LGBTQIA mm. terms, so you had lesbian, you had um, exhibitionist for E, you had uh, drag, and there mm. was a bunch of a lot of other um, terms that kind of pertain to the that the, the community at hand. But uh, the in, our intern was, a, and I di- I didn't even think about this. Like our intern was like, well. You know, I get what they were trying to do, but a lot of it was very splintered. A lot of it was very one dimensional. I was like, what are you what are you talking about? What do you mean? This is this is beautiful. This guy's doing backflips and it's very interpretive dance. And I'm like, I, I get it, I totally get it. It's like, no. A lot of these terms, first and foremost, weren't LGBT centric. Like they weren't exclusive to the community because I think there was one that was um kink. Mm. And that's not that's mm. not something that's just limited to the LGBTQ community. So it was just like, huh. Wow. Yeah. Like even those those nuances, those little nuances that you wouldn't that even you think of. Yeah, exactly. visually you don't think about it, but when you're kind of analyzing it and you take your time with it and Yeah. And you know, one of the most the 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 foremost authorities on the LGBTQ community who partnered with Equinox, 
I don't even think they were thinking of it in those terms because for for one reason or another, they were thinking, maybe they were thinking, oh, well, these are terms that we know that because we deal with a certain part of the community more often than any other part of the community. So they're thinking in those terms. And these are the these are the these are the definitions that we hear more often than not. And so these are the ones that we're going to put into this alphabet. You know what I'm saying? But still not not taking into account that. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that would probably be the best example of like. Yeah, I I, I got the alphabet mm-hmm. up here. Why is you mm-hmm. like are <laughs> um, real? I see. Interesting. I haven't, I haven't so yeah, like even with one. like even with drag, yeah. like drag isn't necessarily something that's that's LGBTQ exclusive. like just like exclusive. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, huh. Again, it's one of those nuanced examples where you you wouldn't even think twice, but you always have to. It 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 helps you more than it hurts you to have at least someone in the room that can identify with every little bit and piece of whatever campaign that you're getting ready to exactly roll out with. Even whether they're even in the agency or you find them from the street outside the agency, for sure. Even if you you have a friend, yeah. Who's not even in advertising, but is familiar with familiar with the community, or you have a, a relative who knows what it's like to be who to be discriminated, or just many different examples that not don't necessarily have to come from your creative team or come from your your team of people within an agency or even in house. Because I think for the Pepsi commercial, that was done by a by an in house team, mm-hmm. like that wasn't even agency an work. Agency staff. So I mean. If anything, they should have known better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes I, I see know. stuff and I'm like, you know, they have advertising's a billion dollar thing. How did this make it to market or how did it make it this far without getting run by, you know, X, Y, and Z? Because sometimes I see stuff and I'm just like, how is well, this? Well, I mean, I can't speak for every agency and I can't speak for every in house operation, but, you know, you cut corners. There, yeah. there, there are times where you get cut corners and maybe you think to yourself, oh, Maybe we don't need this focus group. Mm. Like maybe we mm. really don't need to run it through seventeen different trials in order to see whether or not you it's do. <laughs> yeah, whether or not it's user friendly enough. But you know, with examples like the Pepsi commercial, it's proof positive that yeah, yeah. you do have you to. You do need that extra. You do have to edit and then re-edit and then make sure that everything is good and but still being able, excuse me, to get the point across. Mm while still being able to bolster your brand or sell a product or service. So there's a lot of moving parts that go into it. And I understand. So I understand how certain things can kind of slip through the cracks, mm-hmm. but you got to do your due diligence, man. You got to, if you're, if you, if you're going to put your name behind something like that, you've got to be able to double check, triple check, quadruple check and make sure everything is kosher. So I don't know, but moving on. <laughs> um, so we talked about the good. We've talked about the not so good. Um, so let's put an, an eye towards the future. So what, which social, political, or environmental topics would you like to see more marketers kind of like bringing to the forefront, whether it's in an ad or a full-fledged campaign? Um, fast fashion. So have you ever heard of fast fashion? Yeah, yeah. You know fa- familiar fast, with it. Familiar. So but, fa- but, but, but. Yeah, so fast fashion is there. the idea um, that, you know, trends are always popping up and new uh, clothing styles. This is specifically towards clothing styles mm-hmm. and um, like manufactured clothing that mm-hmm. one has to be um, designed, mm-hmm. two has to be um, made. And most of the time with big um, 
you know, big clothing companies, it's being made in poor conditions, mm. um, long hours. Uh, and so that's kind of an unethical side of fashion that, you know, we don't really see beyond the storefront or the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you take this next account into is that we're, it's always changing in fashion. I'm not dissing on fashion. Um, and I understand that it's you know, part of our culture and everything. Mm-hmm. But with this uh kind of constant need for new styles and you know each each um uh season has new things that come in so fast fashion is people go out they buy clothes um and then once they're done with it it there's really no way for us to recycle our clothing other than uh, maybe donating it to goodwill or you know people do like clothing exchange Mm -hmm. and stuff like that kind of like a garage sale um but i can't go into h&m or you know some big store like that and say yo here are my clothes that i bought from your store um and give them to them where they can somehow uh have a process of recycling it whether it's like re-recycling the material um to make new threads Mm -hmm. um or you know whatever it is so we have this donation process but there's really no true like um, global, even national um, way to recycle clothing. And that's not something I really thought about until um, a couple semesters ago and uh, some girl was talking to me about fast fashion mm-hmm. and brought it to my eyes and she showed yeah. me pictures of like clothing just in landfills. And so we think of plastic bottles in landfills and that's why we have hydro flasks and you know that's kind of a basic thing. And then there was a huge push um, in people's own ideals that marketers jumped on uh, for like natural food products, natural Mm -hmm. cleaning supplies, natural Mm -hmm. body, you know, all these different things. Um, But what about clothing? What about recycling clothing? And that's not, I don't, I don't think too many people really think about um, recycling their clothing and that if they're done with that or it's, you know, you go through your closet every year, six months, if you're really good. Mm And yeah, you probably make a pile and you go give it to Goodwill or, you know, whatever you do. But a lot of people probably throw clothing out and Mm -hmm. it just it just sits there. So where how can um, brands, how can uh, department stores, how can um, even non-clothing, but just like recycling clothing companies maybe make their way into the market till that becomes a norm um, for people to be able to update fashion and stick with that as part of our culture or their interests or whatever it is in fashion, but Mm -hmm. also be able to think about the environment and that our clothing literally sits in landfills, just like when we think about plastic water bottles. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, and even like technology, like we started recycling technology and you can sell your old like pieces of metal from your iPhone um, to people and, you know, all these different things. So yeah, we compost food, recycle electronics, paper and plastic products. You Mm. don't really even think about not recycling well. I don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, how can what about like clothing on a large scale? Um, yeah, so I think that'd be really cool if we could find um, someone to be able to break market um, for social and environmental uh, reasons. Because you know, going back to the beginning, like a lot of our clothes is manufactured in poor conditions mm-hmm. um, internationally. So. So, yeah, and I think being able to kind of find a new way to refresh that cycle does it. it, I don't want to say it 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 does the people who have to work in those poor conditions more of a favor because, you know, the the, that the building collapse in Bangladesh back in 2013 Mm -hmm. was a huge story in the fast fashion industry. And it just kind of brought to light a lot of the. Again, going back to the idea of cutting corners, like the cutting of corners that 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 companies do in order to 
feed the beast, like feed that need of of getting that that eight ninety nine crop top at H and M. You know, being able to get that nineteen ninety nine sweater yeah. at, at wherever the off the shoulder thing's really in right now. Exactly. So you know what's happening. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, no, I totally agree with the idea of like finding a way to market or advertise the idea of bringing more sustainability into the the, the fast fa- the fast fashion industry, um, and not just on the production of it and using maybe like chemicals that aren't filled or clothing rather textiles that mm-hmm. aren't being processed with tons of chemicals that get released, but the post store side of it so it's not just like the production side of getting everything environmentally um uh sustainable in clothing but like once that person leaves the store with her shopping bag or his his shopping bag um how can there be things in set in people's minds and uh like even in reality that this um, clothing that is so like basic um yeah be sustained beyond the manufacturing Mm. but i guess like what i said in the beginning and be sustained post shop or post store yeah huh okay well yeah i mean i mean i know most of the clothes that i i get rid of i donate to goodwill so shouts out to goodwill and the salvation (laughs) army yeah i know that there's a bunch of clothes that i have gotten from both goodwill and salvation army and there's things like plato's closet and uh, even even downtown there's Mm -hmm. um avalon exchange where you know you can bring in a bag of clothes and they'll give you credit for what you bring Mm -hmm. in to what you can take out so Mm -hmm. there's place there's things in place for like recycling of clothing but on a larger scale you know you don't really see that you know talking to i think the idea of being able to take clothing even back to the store that Mm -hmm. you like bought it from and having you know their own business having methods in place and processes in place to be able to keep this environmentally sustainable Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that that's that would that's something that would be really cool to see happen Mm -hmm. um but not just cool needed um because yeah, like I said, we have we see recycling on many many levels, but I don't know if too many people think about recycling clothing, and that's something that is constantly bought and grown out of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> I, mean, I think that I think that's a very a very noble cause that a lot of advertisers, if you're listening out there, <laughs> that need to, to jump on and really kind of continue to bring to light. Yeah, yeah, I will do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe come talk to us. We can we can partner and uh, get that get that ball rolling. Um, I think the first thing that kind of came to mind was homelessness mm-hmm. um, and just the idea of, okay, let's see if I can work through this. So, and this is just my opinion, I think more people often, more often than not, think of the average homeless person as someone who's uh drug addict, you know, someone who's never really tried to amount to anything, whatever that means. Um, they're, they're clearly not a productive member of society like I am, you know, but there's a whole nother facet of, of homeless, homelessness that, that people just don't understand. There are people, who, there are homeless people on the streets now who had homes, mm-hmm. who had jobs, who had careers, who had families. And just through a stroke or a series of bad instances or just bad luck, it put them out on the streets. And so I've always I've always tried to look 
for advertisers to really kind of talk more about that because even in even in Florida there there have been there's been legislation that's been passed that's that's made it even harder for for homeless people to even to make a, a living for, if, if you can even call it that you know just even kind of taking out the the already few options that homeless people have to to make a dollar or a mm-hmm. dime mm-hmm. and 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 just, again just making it harder for them to even just get through the day financially and so I, I don't know i just and a lot of the a lot of the the homeless initiatives from city to city state to state are usually a government driven or the government government responsibility whether it's at the state local or or, or federal level but I think this is a perfect opportunity for advertisers, people who have million, if not billion dollar yearly budgets to, to create these these motion picture like mm-hmm. campaigns for us can put some of that money aside. I'm not saying that people they don't. I'm not saying mm-hmm. the agencies or, or in-house operations don't. But I think it needs to be put more towards the forefront. I think there needs to be an opportunity where more of those homeless, those stories of homelessness are told. So people can can get a better idea of how homelessness really affects people, mm-hmm. and how it's not just the crack addicts yeah. or the 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 miscreants Too or the, lazy the to get yeah out of bed, the, you know they're not they're not all just they're not not all of them are, are dregs of society that they need to be frowned upon and cast out. Like it's it's like again it's just, it's more often than not it's it's families like mm-hmm. children and, mm-hmm. and parents on the street who had homes who had lives that that, that were comfortable that, that just kind of just got so you're proposing just to make sure we're on the same page yeah, you're yeah, proposing yeah. for advertisings mm-hmm. ad- advertising agencies specifically mm-hmm. to be the uh, not face of but to be the the advocate the, yeah the advocate, the advocate the advocate for a for creating a better image of what homelessness mm. means and that it's not this thing that needs to be frowned upon or you know just you know you you just throw your the little bit of change you have in your cup in your car and you call it a day and that's your good deed for the day mm. it's like these are people who no one wants to be homeless <laughs> no, no, one, yeah. no one's no one's waking up in the morning it's like man i can't wait to start my day without a roof on my head that's just not happening you know so it's just just bringing the light to the idea that this is a situation that can be helped. There are a lot of things that we can't help in our lives, but this is this is one thing that could that could be helped. Yeah, it brings very real change. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's just one of many social causes that I that I wish more marketers and advertisers would you know, kind of put more effort towards, but you have to understand that at the end of the day, we're we're being paid to showcase a service or a product on behalf of our clients, mm-hmm. and so that's the that's the that's the number one priority. Um, if you're able to kind of fit a social conscious element in there, that's great. Like the the Equinox LGBTQ mm-hmm. thing, you know. Even going back to the Heineken ad of exactly. Open the World, I was going to say like you know talking about how being the advocate of is you could literally replace the Heineken ad that we talked about at the beginning and ha- you know 
almost do makeover-esque kind of thing where you would never know this person Mm -hmm. doesn't go home like Mm -hmm. the other guy is. Absolutely. Um, And having that brought out without having known that person or, uh, you know, just seeing them face to face without Mm -hmm. even vocalizing any kind of thing and just saying, yo, I'm just as much of a person as you, even though there is this kind of stigma that. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are plenty of opportunities for you for for advertisers to kind of take out two birds with one stone, like Mm -hmm. be able to showcase the product or the service while still having that underlying mm-hmm. social cause driven aspect but i mean get on it advertisers what are y'all doing like yes get just just be more be more socially conscious environmentally politically there's nothing wrong with having a stance on something mm-hmm. it's like it's i mean you don't yeah, have you, a stance what you, are you doing yeah yeah if you what is, what's what's the saying if you if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything yeah sure <laughs> we'll go with that yeah. we'll go with that um, so yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a, a champion for for something that's bigger than yourself. Mm. Um, okay. But don't shoehorn. Don't try to shoehorn it in there because then it just seems disingenuous. Yeah, don't don't. Yeah, you don't need to force it in there. Yeah, no, don't don't. If it's but if, if the opportunity's truly, not there. Yeah, if it's truly there. Yeah. Jump on. It'll yeah. It'll <laughs> it'll come to fruition if it's something that you truly believe in as an agency or in house or or who yeah. whoever. Um, so to kind of bring it all. Uh, full circle and this is kind of a piggyback of a conversation that you and I had mm-hmm. off the record mm-hmm. um, last week um, and it's just the idea of like advertising is kind of has this this sordid history of, of being known as a maybe not the, the, the most morally astute <laughs> industry in the world we've we, we, we have this stigma of being kind of ambiguous when it mm-hmm. comes to what we're pushing or what we're trying to get people to think about when in terms of, of products or services so um how how do I guess how do the more socially conscious among us kind of reconcile that 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 duality, so to speak? Yeah. So when we were kind of having this original mm-hmm. conversation, the the title of this whole thing, the case of conscious advertising, is absolutely perfect because <laughs> that's kind of where we where we, where this conversation started from. Yeah. Um, a week ago, and uh, I don't know. I was kind of retelling you how sometimes I feel that duality really hard mm-hmm. um, of trying to live a um, you know minimalist lifestyle and being. For sure. um, meditative in my choices Mm -hmm. and especially when it comes to maybe like more of the material things and I think reconciling with this duality my answer was as humans we have passions we have hobbies we have things that we want to do Mm -hmm. and for me personally I can't do it in Florida but skiing is one of my absolutely (laughs) favorite things to do yeah you can water ski but (laughs) I grew up skiing and that is nothing else in the world gives me that same kind of um joy and ecstasy as riding down the mountain does okay and so i'm thinking about this and it's not really something i could do without products and without going into a store Uh, and like you can go into the store and there can be 50 types of skis and be like okay why do there have to be 50 types of skis well these ones have curved tips and these Mm -hmm. ones have the and so i kind of started thinking about it in that way is that we have these natural passions or things to want to pursue whether that's skiing or you want to travel or you want to play football or Mm -hmm. you want to play chess um None of those things would actually exist without um, someone being able to provide it and to kind of um, manufacture, advertise these types of things. And so even for skis, like, well, why are there 50 types or hundreds of whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, 
well, these ones let you do jumps and these ones let you, you know, ski fast. And, there, you know, there's all these different kinds of breakdowns, even mm-hmm. with sneakers. Like, why are there so many sneakers when you go into, <laughs> you know, whatever kind of store? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I started thinking about this duality of, um, you know, facing this kind of, yeah, ambiguous um side of advertising but putting it into the conversation as how could we execute these or pursue these passions hobbies without um without these products and I guess the products too I understand it's not just um the advertising side of it there is the production there is the design there Mm -hmm. is the manufacturing um but the advertising is what gets it to our face the advertising is what gets it to our eyes to that even though I'm in Florida um you know, when I watch the Winter Olympics and I see, you know, advertisings for people skiing downhill, I'm like, yeah. oh, damn. And I get a little tear in my eye. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I thought that that was kind of that. That's how I um, kind of made peace with it is thinking about like these natural passions that we have and, and really having no. um I wouldn't say access to them because it's not like you need this one thing to be able to like feel that mm-hmm. um, joy or whatever you want to call it. But um, that that's kind of what enables us and propels us to kind of um, carry out some of those some of those things that do require uh, maybe knowledge on a product to be able to. How can you? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's like your what's like a hobby of yours beyond work um, writing. Okay, so yeah, so even just cooking, um, do you have like a favorite like f- t- like meal? Not necessarily meal, but like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like you have like a favorite type of s- something. Oh, yeah, kind of partial to the midnight <laughs> snack. Okay, okay, even midnight <laughs> snacking. Um, I don't. I, I think I'm getting a little lost in my own. Uh, mind like refreshing well, I mean, well, real well, fast but. okay well let me let me let me attempt to pull you back yeah real quick <laughs> um <laughs> i think for me it, it, the idea of every day i go into this knowing that there's an agency or someone out there that may be working at the behest of a cigarette company mm. or a firearms company mm-hmm. or an alcohol company something that might not be the most most beneficial, uh, yeah. I guess socially, yeah, beneficial or or depend that that's a, that's a matter of perspective, but like mm-hmm. maybe like socially driven mm-hmm. or socially empowering thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess in my head, I try to rationalize that by doing everything that I can yeah. to put energy towards things that do have a very positive social social slant. So you're thinking your th- my answer was very consumer based. Your answer is extremely creative advertising based, which is really it's cool and it's cool to see the the different side of that and mm-hmm. h- having um, much more experience in the advertising realm than I do. Oh, being able <laughs> being able to see it from that point of view is one cool. But I'm sorry, continue if you. No, no, no. I mean that's, that that's that's basically the bare bones of it. Just being able to kind of it's almost like a, a tally board. Mm. Like I, I, I know what I, I know what else is out there, exactly. and I know what some people are doing. But exactly. this is really so where I stand. So what I want to do. In order to counteract that, let me put as much energy as I can mm. towards doing the other oh, side I love of it. it. You know what I mean? I love that. So I, I guess that's that's one way to kind of rationalize a lot of the the the, the, the suspected shadiness that that 
a lot of outsiders can perceive the advertising industry to be mm. while still being able to make a cool thing that actually helps people. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Love that. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's there, there's so much there's so much to it, and I think everybody approaches it differently. Like approaches that idea of like, well, I mean, I'm an advertiser. I mean, you know, when you say it, like mm-hmm. even when you say it in conversation, depends. Some people kind of equate advertisers to like like shady car salesmen. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, or you know, that that door to door guy that's just like, hey, I've got this, uh, <laughs> you know, waterfront property in, in Oklahoma that you would be really interested in. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Just trying but, to shove I mean, something down the throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it kind of it kind of behooves us as advertisers, advertising professionals, to kind of pull the curtain back every so often. I understand that people, at the end of the day, people don't really like to know how the sausage is made mm-hmm. in its entirety. But you know, maybe sometimes they'd like to see a little tour, mm-hmm. a little demo, mm-hmm. okay, and then and then let us get back to what we do best. So I think that's 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 one way to kind of I reconcile love that. Answer. that. So. Knowing what else, knowing what other people do, and I think that even can apply to like so many other things too, of like knowing what else is out there, but doing your best to, um, to do you, things that are most aligned with, um, I guess what you believe in. If someone else is out there and driving mm-hmm. for maybe what's not the greater good or that benefits the mass of society, being able to take your own um, energies and your own activities, words, mm-hmm. thoughts, and propelling them towards things that do. So Absolutely. that's an awesome answer. Well, we are going to wrap this up. Actually, it's been a fantastic conversation. Yeah. Um, and this is your, is this your last week here? Actually, no. Oh. So I'm, I'm staying. No way. I'm going to stay. Yeah. So maybe we can do this again. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. You're going to be here. I'll be here. I'll okay. be here. Well, <laughs> we don't, we don't do goodbyes here at Evoke, so we don't have to worry about it. But we are going to wrap this particular episode up. Kelsey, thank you for coming in and talking shop with me. Um, yeah, thank you. To all the listeners me. out there, I'm so glad you tuned in and be, be sure to look for more of this in the future because I love talking to you. Hopefully you love listening to us. All right. We'll be back. All right, everybody. That wraps up another episode of Provoke. I want to thank my guest Kelsey for coming in and taking the time to hang out with us today. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to P-R-O-V-O-K at evokead.com and follow Evoke on Twitter and on Facebook at Evoke Advertising to keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. Um, As far as the quote's concerned, uh, Marcus Garvey said, The ends you serve that are selfish will take you no further than yourself, but the ends you serve that are for all in common will take you into eternity. Y'all take care.